This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 71 for Sunday, June 9th, 2019. Will you fight for the honor of Grace Hey everyone, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratus Macca. And I'm Josh Delancourt, also known as Lioncourt. All right, here we are. We got some news. News. Indeed. There's news. There's always yeah, news. Yeah, well, big news. Because the last episode, I believe I was, you know, oh, I'm not going to buy Snake Mountain. <laughs> well. What did you do, John? What did you do? Well. Did you buy me a Snake Mountain, John? <laughs> Maybe for Christmas. <laughs> if you're good. <laughs> and you pay for my trip out there to bring it to you. <laughs> With the, yeah, <laughs> right? It may be cheaper, Martin, for you just to pay to fly me out than to pay the shipping. It might be cheaper uh, for Martin to just come to to the States, pick it up, and fly back. <laughs> it would be cheaper for me to finance construction of my own snake mountain <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bought but it john john bought it i bought it you bought it i bought it i'm weak <laughs> where are you gonna put it okay so At i my think my house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think i have just enough room so, Grayskull, I have displayed closed, right? It's closed. Because, like, why am I going to open it and, like, expose the back when it, on the, on the front, that looks stupid, right? Yeah. So, I don't know where I'm going with this, but the table that I have Classics Grayskull on should have just enough room, just enough room, uh, for Snake Mountain. So, that's where it'll be. Um, I also yeah. bought it, so... They made a lot of money off the two of us this week. We ordered it the they same did. day, I think. Yes, I ordered it the day before the it was supposedly going to close. So did I. Um, so, yeah. Because it, it it was right after they announced, actually, I think, that it was 100% funded. Um, so I was like, well, it is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Up until that point, you could just hold out hope, like, no, it won't get funded. Then I'll just be like... Oh well. Yeah, exactly, I right? I couldn't get one. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, Yeah, so I'll have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so just prepare to like take a couch out of your house cuz you're not going to have one for both. I I have to say props to Super 7. They posted this hilarious video. I think it was on their Instagram of like they printed out a cardboard, you know, cut out of how of like the Snake Mountain like at proportionate size. And they were, like, taking it around and setting it next to things. Like, they set it next to, like, a bike. And then they, like, tried to put it in, a, like, a mailbox and it didn't fit. And, like, it was kind of funny. <laughs> Just to illustrate to you how big the thing is. Because I hadn't seen, like, the mock-up or whatever um, since, what was it, PowerCon? Um, uh, well, they had it where, out at the last uh, yeah. Comic-Con that I was at in San Diego. And that was, like... But like four years ago, my long running problem with it has been the paint application. I, you know, I feel it's too put me under a black light 
situation. Um, so I'm just really hoping that it, like, um, I dig it in person as much. But um, I know. Stop complaining. You bought it. It's done. <laughs> so I have a uh, display case that all my master's stuff is in. And the top half of that right now is devoted to uh, a setup that's got uh, Grayskull and the uh, Point Dread from Classics in it along with tons of figures and things. The bottom half actually has like uh, two shelves in it. And I'm thinking about uh, taking out the the shelf uh, that's like in the middle there and uh, opening up the bottom half. I'm hoping that Snake Mountain's going to fit down in the bottom half and then I can just dedicate the bottom half to uh, the display surrounding Snake Mountain, I guess. So I don't know. We'll see. Good luck with that. Yeah. If it doesn't fit, then I guess I build another display. I don't know. I'm not sure what I do at that point. Move the to a video bigger house. The... Yeah, right. I was just going to have to move. <laughs> have an entire room dedicated to it. Yeah, I just saw the video of the two guys holding the cutout and just walking across the screen. And uh -huh. it was hysterical. Is how yeah. massive it was. <laughs> It was like half the size of a car when they put it next to a car. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh my god. <laughs> There's also uh, cartoon news, though, which is what I thought you were going to do first. Oh well, I was going to rub. rub. Since, since we're doing <laughs> news, I was going to run. No, what was the word I was going to use? I was going to something that into explaining something of like something. Segway. Well, I was going to say that it like today's episode as we said it. last episode will be about the Shira book and then book, the one that that accent is. Um the book <laughs> and <laughs> the book and uh, the first episode of season 2, but uh because um you know praise Light Hope and the first ones, uh Netflix <laughs> Uh, announced that season three of She-Ra is already going to premiere on August 2nd. So we're going to rev up. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Rev up ah. the uh, our, our analysis of the She-Ra season two, because, you know, we got to get through that to get to August 2nd. Um, so we'll probably, you know, do, uh, you know, more, maybe two or three episodes per episode of Master's Cast, even though today we're only going to do one episode because that's all we scheduled time for. <laughs> <laughs> so this might actually be a smaller episode so you can just listen to it you know on your commute to mcdonald's for a treat and then come back watch shira i'm super happy it's coming out so soon though oh i was I, not expecting that yeah and how about that like huntara is gonna be in it loving that gina what? davis yes. yeah yeah like you know actress Gina Davis. I was There's no super crying excited. in baseball. Yes. That's such perfect casting. She has such a unique voice. It's, oh, I cannot wait to hear <laughs> and see this. Oh my God. What has Gina Davis been in? Um, Beetlejuice <laughs> is my big yeah. go to. Yeah, Beetlejuice, a league of their own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always remember her from the pirate movie she did with Frank Langella. <laughs> Which was oh, called wait. like uh, something island, Treasure Island. I or don't know. Cutthroat Island. Cut or I think it was Cutthroat Island. Yeah. Yeah. Rod loves that movie. 
And I remember, I've seen it like once years ago, but I remember thinking it was awesome and I've never seen it again. <laughs> and I thought I might have dreamed it at some point. So I'm glad that someone else has heard of it. <laughs> yes. And what, what I found really hilarious too, because I'm in this Facebook group, I forget exactly the name, but it's just like fans of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And it's got a ton of people in there of all ages, from all backgrounds, all over the world. And I've just, I get the feeling that a lot of the members are younger, um, mostly female, but there's plenty of males in there as well. But there was this one girl that I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing, I didn't even look at her profile picture or anything, but just the way she presented, um, she put up a picture of Huntara from the original series. And her caption was basically just, wow, Huntara really looked badass back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> As if... That you know, it was like out of the realm of possibility that anything from the '80s could have looked cool. Um, she was like surprised by it. Was the the gist I was getting? I mean, I don't think she was trying to be like, you know, hating on the '80s show by any by any means. But she was just really impressed that even back then she looked so cool and would fit in with the current characters beautifully. You know, as is. I mean, they'll probably still change her up a bit, but. I don't think they have too much. And actually we did see a picture of at least like her upper torso, right? Yeah. It looks like her, the same, her, her costume looks like it's probably going to be different. Like they, they kind of, you know, they stray away from the, I, I don't mean like Hantara is revealing kind of sexier costume. Right. Whereas like, I'm, she'll be a bit more covered up in the new show, but she still has like purple skin, white hair, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I totally would not take offense to that, that girl either. I think, um, you know, uh, I don't think it, it's just my opinion. I don't feel that the younger fans that are introduced to Shira from this show need to necessarily educate themselves on the 80s show. Like, I, right. you know, I, I just don't feel like it's like required reading or something. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's like, great if they do. No, it's good if they do. And that's cool if they do. But I just I don't know. I, I don't feel the entitlement is necessary for me to say, like, well. You never watched the original Shira. Right. You know, eh, whatever. Um, to be fair, well, any mean, fandom that's going on as long as Master slash Shira has has fans that do feel that way, right? Like that, that that's happened yeah. with Star Trek and Star Wars and everything else. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. It's pretty cool that, you know, this announcement of Huntara made her go back and look at the original series. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty yeah. cool. Totally. I've heard some positive comments too on um the old Seahawk um from younger fans as well. I think they liked his design. Um interestingly enough, right, because like Seahawk was created by Filmation, Huntara created by Filmation. The younger fans perhaps uh like a lot of the Filmation creative process as opposed to maybe Mattel's input. <laughs> <laughs> good point where's my toys mattel seriously i'm i'm oh, so they've... bitter yeah same and if they don't make toys and Huntara ends up being such a cool character again that people that, they, that she really sticks with them they're gonna try to get the one from classics and good luck to them oh yeah because she's going to be so expensive on eBay. 
if she's not already i don't know i haven't looked for her because i already uh, have her yeah try but... try getting a catra because i lost somehow i lost catra's mask Womp oh, no. womp, I know, please. That's because it Play falls your off little all violin the time. I'm constantly at war with Catra's mask. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, when I was packing up all my stuff when I moved, I was just, uh, you know, I, I don't, it, it disappeared. It disappeared. I need someone to model it so I can do a 3D print or something and just paint it. I don't know. I look on eBay. I'm not going to pay, you know... Eighty dollars for a Catra just to get the mask <laughs> for a piece, a yeah. tiny piece of plastic. <laughs> no, I'd rather pay that for a Bubble Power Shira original that I still don't have. So she's more than eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so enough of that, I guess, and we'll go into the book, which is called Shira: Origin of a Hero. Indeed, that is the title. Yes. Awesome. And that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit more than this, and I'll, I'll let Josh talk um, in a second, but just really quick summary overview. It's taking the very first episode of season one and the first half of episode two of season one and putting them in novel form, but also adding some new content to it as well. Um, but I read it or I listened to it through Audible the day it came out and I have not read it again since. I meant to get a physical copy because I realized after listening to it, this is one book that actually would be helpful to have a physical copy of to just go back and reference different different parts or, you know, highlight things or bookmark or whatever because I couldn't remember what where the new content was. Um Thankfully, someone online typed up a bit of it, so I copy and pasted that if we forget anything. But Josh re-listened to it recently, so I'm going to let him tell us a bit about the extra content that's in the book that was not in the episodes. All right, so uh, essentially the uh, first four chapters are um, are new. And before, before you even get into those, there's a, a short section prior to those that sort of sets up everything uh, for maybe somebody who hasn't seen the TV show, I guess, um, which would, it would seem a little strange to me if you'd be picking up this book if you hadn't already been exposed to the TV show, but basically describes the premise, describes Etheria and the war between uh, the Horde and the Rebellion and all of that, and then does some character bios, which are heavy on the Horde, basically. It's like Adora and Catra and Hordak and I think Shadowweaver... And I think the only non-horde ex- uh, is Glimmer, I think. Uh, hmm. So you get little profiles for the characters that remind me a lot of the uh, bios from the classics uh, toys. Like it's that kind of, here's a break down this character to their key points. So you get that. And then the uh, story starts and the first four chapters are... Uh, all new, mostly uh, revolving around Adora and Catra's relationship and, and the things that they do um, with the uh, other recruits. Um, there's a, a section in there where they're being basically uh, you know, told if you, if you uh, do any of these things like disobey a direct order from Hordak or any of these things that the Horde doesn't want them doing, that they will be sent to Beast Island. Um, and uh, that sort of thing. So there's this whole, this whole like classroom type setting uh, section in there. 
there is um, a section that I thought was really cool which, with Adora and Catra. Uh, basically as they're growing up just they go out and hang out and play in like the i don't know junkyard like basically it's like uh, like a junkyard where all of the broken weapons and like refuse from weapon manufacturing just gets dumped (laughs) and they go out there Mm -hmm. and they play and uh, find rocks and and things and it also sets up a um very much an antagonistic relationship that we see a little bit later on in the first season, I think, uh, between Catra and Octavia, um, where uh, Catra's uh, irritated with Octavia, puts a snake in her bunk, and uh, they're all going to bed. And then, of course, Octavia finds the snake, realizes that Catra's put it there, and they they have a fight. And you learn during this part a little interesting piece that isn't in the first season at all anywhere. Uh, that I guess Octavia has a patch in this series that she's wearing mm-hmm. over one eye, and that is because at one point Catra scratched out that eye, so um, which is pretty hardcore for a kid's book, I thought. So um, they, I do they'll... think that is in the episode. Is it? I promise. Okay. I... She just has a bandage over it. Yeah, band. Like maybe not a full patch, but I think. Do they show Catra scratching it? No, maybe? they mentioned that she did because then so. the other recruits are chanting that they want Catra to scratch out the her other eye now as well. Aww. So. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty tough. They have a, they have a rough. You're sad that you didn't get to see that, John. <laughs> no, I'm sad that they're being so mean to her. I feel like Adora would not condone this behavior. Well, they're they are the, the horde, so is. you know. I know, um, but like you know, Adora's sweet and kind. So uh, maybe Octavia is just not a good person. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Octavia and her problematic racist views. In the well, it does. <laughs> it does mention that from Adora's team's perspective. So Adora's team is uh, her and Catra and Kyle, and the uh, reptile guy whose name is like Rivalio or something like that. Uh, and Lonnie, yeah. that's that's like Adora's team uh, that they're that she's going through with, and Octavia is uh, a part of another team. And from their perspective, they think Octavia and her team are like lazy and not not doing the work, putting in the work that they should. So that's uh, that's how they're depicted in the book, anyway. One thing that I thought was really funny through all of this uh, as well is, of course, so there's the big fight uh, in in the dorm there uh, between Catra and Octavia, and Catra wins the fight, but then of course Shadow Weaver comes in and like breaks up, tells everybody to go to bed, and you know there will be consequences if I hear another noise out of you tonight. Very uh, Professor McGonagall talking to the Gryffindors after uh, the 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 uh, party in book three. Um, <laughs> but one thing that's really fun, and this is this is Shadow Weaver's first appearance in the book, and one thing that I thought was really funny after all of the complaining I've done on this podcast, they describe. Shadow Weaver's voice as being dark and spooky. And I'm like, that's Filmation. <laughs> that's not the new series. <laughs> Clearly, this author agrees with me that they, they've blown it on Shadow Weaver's voice for the show. That's a, one of the few complaints uh, I have. And, uh, uh, and they're describing it like exactly, what, which also makes me wonder too. Like, I, I kind of wonder if when this was written, how, you know, maybe they they had gotten to see some of the filmation, like the author had gotten to see some of the filmation show, but maybe there wasn't enough of the new show ready because you know books tend to be written long, long in advance before they're published. So, I, I was kind of wondering if maybe she you know didn't have much of the new show to go on, was doing the best uh, best that she could with the descriptions. But that is 
clearly a filmation description of Shadow Weaver's voice. Mm-hmm. So one of those, one of the four opening chapters, three of the four are uh, basically Adora and Catra. And one is um, uh, Glimmer. Glimmer. And that revolves around what we hear about in the, the first episode of the season, but don't get to see, where she has been sent out to a, uh, a village called, uh, is it Elderon? I think it is. Um, and uh, she's out there and she's kind of taking it as like, I have to protect these people or whatever. And she's kind of, at, as the chapter goes on, she's like realizing like, oh, I've been put out here because the horde never comes out here. There, you know, this is just my, my mom trying to get me out of the way and so on and so forth. And, but then the horde does show up and attack and she tries to uh, help them defend uh, disobeying the mayor of the village, which feels really weird to me. Like, really? We're going to call the person that's leading this village a mayor? Like, it feels out of place in a fantasy setting to me. But, yeah, it, uh, if, yeah, it just seems like a really strange choice there. But anyway, um, and the, the battle does not end well. And she is basically forcefully taken by one of the mayor's uh, soldiers back to Bright Moon, where it would pick up in episode one um i think i've kind of hit the highlights on at least the content i I wanted to mention just a couple of other things i too listened to the audiobook the narrator is very very good um obviously has watched the show the narrator has and has done a pretty decent job of capturing kind of the the spirit of i think the the actors that portray the characters in the show particularly katra i think she did a good job with um and Glimmer, too, for that matter. And uh, I was actually really pleasantly surprised that um, this book is much better written than I was expecting. Um, a lot of times for books aimed at like that kind of age demographic, uh, particularly that are like, you know... Um, written what's the word i'm looking you know written based on a a property based on like a tv show or something else where it's not like the author had this idea for a great book and wrote that this is you know being like i don't know if it was commissioned probably was by uh dreamworks slash scholastic uh to this author and so on and so forth but for that type of scenario for that type of book this is much better written than a lot of ones like that I've read in the past, so that, that made me happy. And it was really cool for me because there's lots of little details in there that probably are in the the first couple of episodes that you can see, but that there's not time for audio description to describe and whatever. So uh, I felt like I got a much richer picture of the world than uh, I had gotten previously, which is pretty cool. Awesome. I did want to mention real quick, since we didn't before, um, it was written by Tracy West and narrated by Rachel Jacobs. Just wanted to give them a shout out because I agree. They did a great job. I feel like it I've would... listened to something that Rachel Jacobs has narrated in the past, but I can't figure out what it was. I need to go through her bio, her uh, discography or whatever. Yeah. It would be cool if they did this with the entire series, honestly. Like, I don't think they have plans to. I know they have other books coming out, but I doubt they're going to just take an episode and a half 
each time and expound on it. Um, but it would be kind of cool, especially for watchers like yourself, um, who are not able to see the animation, they would get a lot more out of those extra des descriptions. Um, so maybe, I don't know. And, and you also get, like a lot of times too, in these kinds of uh, books, like when they're based off of something that already exists, like a TV show or a movie or something, a lot of times, um, it's a lot of this happened and then that happened and then so-and-so said this and they're just basically recounting. This is not that. Mm -hmm. Like they very much get into particularly Adora's head and Glimmer's head in, in the chapters that revolve around them. So I feel like too, you do get more of a um, perspective inside these these characters and their personalities and their motive motivations and things um then then you can get you know on screen or that you even usually get in books like this so yep yeah i think you've covered i was just looking through my notes here um to see if there's anything else this person had said that you didn't mention not really um this is from troy scott just fyi want to give him a shout out and the only thing he had added was the book kind of makes Adora out to be a suck-up and opportunist. Um, talking about she really did leave Katra and the rest of her squad behind without much thought of the consequences, especially to Katra, who was a popular target. Um, so I thought that was just interesting that it kind of paints her in a different light, maybe at least in parts of it, maybe not the entire thing. But, yeah. And I, I wonder, too, because... Oh my god, I'm sure you guys have noticed too how much Katra is a fan favorite of this show. Like, she's gotta be the number one. If there were a poll, like, who's your favorite character, it would be Katra. A hundred percent. I agree. Like, people are obsessed with her. Um, so I wonder if that affected how this was written at all. If they already kind of had that in mind and were like, okay, let's play up Katra a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I, I find it fascinating that she's really the standout of this series so far. I think part they of that when she's like, Hey, Adora. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think part of uh catcher being the standout too, is I think of, of all of the characters on either side, right? The hero or, um, or horde side. I think Katra is like the most complex of the characters, like as far as her like psychology or whatever goes, right? Like she feels like the most fleshed out, the most uh, like real person, I think, because, uh, you know, there's so many sides to her, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think more so than like a lot of the other characters are, are not like they're not poorly done or anything, but they're very much like they fit, they fit the mold that they're in. And I think Katra to some degree always kind of keeps you guessing because she's got that, relationship with Adora and the relationship with Shadow Weaver and you know she's very ambitious and she's just a lot of different sides to that character I think yeah and one other note I just noticed in um, Troy's notes um, said if not for Adora's love of Catra Shadow Weaver would not have brought up Catra as a ward with her I guess that was mentioned in the book and I forgot um, I don't know that Catra knows that and I don't know if it's something that would ever be brought up, but it would be kind of interesting. Like, dude, like you wouldn't even be here if it weren't for me. <laughs> oh, I don't know that Adora would ever use that against her, but 
One thing that, that yeah, uh, I thought was a little bit, uh, it was slightly disappointing where this book ends. It basically ends shortly after they uh, they have escaped, like the first one's ruin that they go in there at the beginning and uh, and Glimmer teleports them out or whatever. And um, when I was reading it, I didn't realize how close I was getting to the end. And I was like, oh, I was all ready for the whole uh, experience that Adora has in uh, Thamor when she tries the food and goes to the party and all the stuff she's never experienced. <laughs> and it's just like not there. It just ends. And you're like, oh, I was ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Oh. Well, speaking of Thamor. That does get mentioned in season two, episode one, again. <laughs> Look at Katie making that smooth transition. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> I did it. I am notoriously horrible at those, but yay. I well, I mean, you know, season two does open with the episode The Frozen Forest. And it was an episode. Yeah. This is not a strong <laughs> this is not a episode. strong episode. <laughs> it's yeah, just... it's like filler type. Yeah, it, it's like filler. Enjoy it's it. filler, but it's worse though because it's the premiere of season 2. This this episode would have never been good, but it would have been I think at least forgettable if it was in the middle of a season, like we wouldn't have cared, but this opening the season with this was I don't think a strong choice. Yeah, like the payoff right at the end is that we they the princesses find out that Entrapta is still alive. So yes. it's like you, we had the entire, you know, 21 minutes <laughs> of basically filler and then 1 minute of oh, now they know Entrapta is still alive. It's filler plus Frosta not acting like Frosta. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I disagree with you because, like, she tells Glimmer, you know, she was put on the throne at eight years old and it's been kind of impossible to have friends when all of the people around you are your sworn subjects. And I'm glad that she's able to get away from that and to be a kid and to make friends the old fashioned way and like navigate how to, to do that because she hasn't had that experience. I mean, she grew up. Even before she took the throne, she was a princess. So I'm sure she was treated differently by other kids her age. So I'm super happy that she's able to come out of her shell. And I feel like if there's a future episode where they're back in her kingdom, she will absolutely put on that persona or whatever again and be the Princess Frosta that we you know, knew and loved in season one when she has to. But I'm glad that she doesn't have to outside of her kingdom. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. <laughs> like, I understand what they were going for. I think my only issue with it was that it was so different. Like, it, it just came up out of nowhere. Yeah, it needed... They, if they wanted to go that way, we needed to see the... How do we? How did we get from point A to point B, right? Like, this was, this was like... This was like, we're going to actually take you from point A to point G and skip all of the stuff in between. Like, it, it's it's... Good that, uh, you know, I get, you know, like, like Katie's talking over here, she, but that's all sort of like rationalizing it, right? Like figuring, figuring it out. And I feel like they needed to show at least a little bit of how did we get, how did, how did Frost to go from what we saw in season one to this? Because it's just too, it's too drastic. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get the how to, but we do get at least a mention of 
about how much time has passed between the end of season one and now season two, because Adora says she's been training for a month with Light Hope, because um, she's complaining that she hasn't made much progress. So there's been at least a month of time between they won the Battle of Bright Moon, and now they're working together against the bots and these other things. So I feel like that's enough time for that transition to have happened, but you're right. It's just not on screen, so we don't get to experience it. Yeah, I think if they would have just fleshed it out a little bit more in the beginning, because your explanation makes 100% sense, and I totally agree with you that she just had the facade, now she has friends, so she's starting to act kind of act like her true self, right, instead of yeah. keeping herself so guarded. I think... I didn't initially think that way when the episode started just because it was so jarring. It was just like, whoa, she's acting like, you know, a little child. But in season one, they wanted me to think that, you know, she was like a man child. Well, not a man, woman child. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it was just, it was, I don't know. It was too jarring. I agree with all of you. They just needed to flesh it out a bit. But, you know, they could have done it because this episode had just bots and bots. And there's another bot and we have to save the bots. We need to don't kill all the bots because we need to reverse engineer the bots. (laughs) Although we we did get to hear Shira say, hey, Katra. Yeah. Oh, she switched it up. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, so like that's when Twitter like erupts, right? And then there's yeah. uh, lots of Tumblr memes because <laughs> uh, with the with the um, younger fan base, which is awesome. Um, yes, but uh, it also makes and- you wonder, like, like did they anticipate the Hey Adora thing like being huge, or was like there enough time between seeing reactions of? season one to doing season two that they were able to put in that you know what i mean like you always have to wonder the creative process like do do they anticipate that this will be like a really good catchphrase that like the audience loves um and they just kind of run with it or did they have enough time to kind of observe and start to work that my guess my guess would be that uh that they didn't they didn't anticipate it being big with the fans that it was probably big with the creative team inside they were probably saying Ah, it to each other yeah and Uh decided that they would put it in because it'd be a fun thing and they got lucky that the the fans felt the same way that they did about it that Mm -hmm. would be my guess I bet you're right. Because I don't think there was enough time for them to have inserted fresh material between. Agree. Yeah. So. Totally. Lucky accident. Love it. (laughs) And okay, this, I don't know if y'all had the the same experience. Like the first two times I watched this episode, I thought that the entire first, I don't remember how many minutes, but both the scenes of Adora fighting both fighting bots as Shira and the scenes of the the rebels fighting bots was all a simulation and then i figured out oh that's two separate things like oh, she it's was very doing her confusing so it is. confusing i thought with the same thing multiple times watching this episode katie okay, it was good. just like just me. oh wait that didn't happen that was a simulation but oh wait no now they're going to try to find the bots so I'm like, Light Hope must be really good. Like, she's like, here's some realistic examples from today. Yeah. And then, like, she fights the same bots. <laughs> I don't know. That was super confusing. I would love to have the script of this episode um, to read through just to s- clarify it, some It of feels that. like there might have been, like, other scenes that were cut 
Like, it feels like this was not what was originally intended by the writer. And maybe it would have made more sense if we, if we got that. I mean, most shows have that, right? They have There's extra scenes that that get written that don't get produced. So mm-hmm. it, it feels, it definitely feels that way. So a little, slight confession here. I did not rewatch this episode <laughs> since, since first watching it. I could not, I, I, first of all, I didn't have time. And second of all, I was not particularly uh, anxious to revisit this and not particularly sad that I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's just, uh, I, 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 it's not when, that bad. When I so here was the thing: when season two came out, the, the day that season two came out, it was a really busy day. I was working all day, and I was looking forward to well, the new Shira's out tonight. When I'm done with all my work, I am gonna sit down and watch Shira. And the it was the premiere of season two. As I said, this is this is I think why this I feel so strongly disliking this episode in that excitement's high. I'm sitting down. I've been working all day. I'm really looking forward to this. And this is what I ended up watching. And I was super disappointed to the point where like, it was like two or three days before I even watched the rest of the season. And the rest of the season, fortunately, gets tremendously better than this. But, uh, but it was, I don't know. It was, it, this was definitely a disappointing episode. And I, I do worry that people might watch this. And be like, oh, I don't like where this season's going, and maybe not pick it up again. And definitely, if you if that if you are one of those people, don't let that happen. Yeah, don't. I think this easily could have been fixed if they had the A story be Adora training with Light Hope for the month, maybe, and during that, just the the B story of this episode would be Entrapta creating the more powered bots or something. I think could have given mm-hmm. us, because maybe we would have gotten a little bit more history lesson from Light Hope, which would have appeased us classic fans, um, and it wouldn't have felt as much like a filler episode. This episode would have been fine, like you said, in the middle of the season. Um, but when you're, when you're exactly, like you said, you're so excited, you're like season two, and then you're just like, oh. Like, I even got texts from some of my friends that were like, please tell me this episode gets better. <laughs> But when it was on, it was like, what's up with Frosta? Like, I got texts like that. Like, we were all watching around the same time. And, uh, yeah, so it's like, obviously, as a fan, I'm going to stick through it. But it does it does ugh, a little bit when, when the one you're hitting out of the gate. But then again, I don't know. Are we thinking of this because of how we're used to TV premiering, whereas, like, people that stream are committed to binging the all of them anyway on the same yeah, day? Well, the thing and... is, is, like, for anybody, anyone watching these shows – uh, off the bat, uh, it's going to matter, right? A year from now, or you know, three months from now, six months from now, this is just going to be in the middle of the series, and no one's going to yeah. think anything of it. They weren't waiting six months for the next season, but so you know, it it is a temporary problem, probably. But it, I I think it is a problem when you've got a new show that you're trying to make successful. I guess one but thing. It... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it had some great humor in it that I think is redeeming. Um, Like her turning her sword into a mug and a tiny trident and a pitcher and an (laughs) umbrella and finally getting the rope that was actually a useful thing at the end of the episode. Um, We still get that Adora still has Catra in her head Um, during the training. She still can't actually, like, 
give her the death blow basically with the flute um, that it turned into. I forgot to put flute in my in my list of things it turned into, but and then Light Hope is there with her. She has access to your mainframe, and <laughs> I also have buttons. <laughs> there is quite a bit of pressure. Was that not clear? <laughs> like that whole scene was hysterical to me. And then it cuts over to the Fright Zone with Entrapta and all of her stuff that's been brought over from Drill. And she's got her big kitten poster. And I want one so bad that matches it because it's adorable. And then we get the the eye twitches with Glimmer and Perfuma when people are annoying them. I don't... Just all of that was funny to me. And Mermista had some, some great lines like, don't you find it helpful to switch perspectives sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and it did it did illustrate yeah. to them once again that they get a lot more success when they work together, which they often seem to forget to do in future episodes. Like that yes. when obviously when the princesses are in harmony and they work together, they get beep done, right? They get a lot done. Yeah. So they seem to keep forgetting this. You know, they haven't been glowing and all of that fun stuff. Um, I just, I still think that they needed to punch this up being the premiere of the season two. But Josh, you make a good point. I didn't think of it like when there's 52 or whatever episodes of this that are just sitting on Netflix, right? Yep. No one's going to care. People are going to be, they're not going to, they're not going to feel that it's season two necessarily. I mean, sure, there's, there's season one has like kind of a definite, ending right but yeah but it's all in how long did you have to wait right like they're not waiting six months there's no waiting yeah yeah Yeah, good point but at least this episode pretty much has all of the characters in it um like even castaspella is there and they've got scorpia and entrapta and catra like watching from the horde through the bots and making funny comments well and you made Um, a good a good point too about mentioning throughout this entire season, Adora is still very much focused on Catra. You know, mm-hmm. Catra is in her head, even in the future at uh, that episode, the filmation episode, you know, Adora is like, Catra's going to do this. Catra's going to do this. And then she finds out Catra's not even involved in this. It's in, it's um, Scorpia and Lonnie who are like mm-hmm. heading the thing. So like, then she's like completely thrown off because all she was, was focused on Catra. Um, so it, it does do a good point of illustrating to the, the connection between those two and and how their relationship affects, you know, what, what they're doing in their current position. <laughs> yeah, I meant to make a note of how many times in this episode Shira says, oh, Catra, or classic Catra. Like, every time something happens with the bots, she blames Catra. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, I realize she doesn't know that Entrapta is alive at this point, so she doesn't. She can't think of anyone else that would be making these bots. But also, like, Catra was never a tech genius. Mm-hmm. Like, how can she expect that Catra's the one designing these? Like, yeah, if, think if anyone it, would be, it's Hordak. Hordak, I yeah. yeah I, so, I, yeah. She's, I, she's it may be that, like, you know, Catra, she's Catra, thinking Catra. Hordak has created all these things, but Catra's the one, you know, orchestrating the attacks or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's it. It's interesting, too. It doesn't seem to matter as much in this series, but in the original series, the Crystal Castle was hidden, right, on top of Skydancer Mountain, and only the like the the trolls and stuff knew where it was. So here, everybody knows where the Crystal Castle is. 
You mean the beacon? Yes, the beacon. <laughs> Even though, as I turned on the closed captioning, Light Hope clearly refers to it as the Crystal Castle one time. So yes. we will be calling it the Crystal Castle. Although when the toy comes out and it's like the beacon, we're going to be like, damn it. <laughs> if the toy comes out. Yeah. If any toys uh, come out. Uh, uh, I'm not holding my breath right? for a Crystal Castle place that I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Honestly, with this design, I'm not sure I would want one. But it'd be a real easy sculpt to do. <laughs> oh, it would. <laughs> Maybe if it glowed or something. Yeah, add some light but, effects, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love that this episode also wraps up with them all coming together and glowing. And, um, you know, the foliage starts growing back. The Whispering Woods are healing. There's this great music playing behind them. And... Yeah, that anytime that happens, I'm just like, oh, squee, and I want it to happen more. And I realize a lot of this season is them working separately in smaller groups to do things, and that doesn't happen a lot. But I, I'm, I don't know. I thought it was cool that they immediately brought that into the very next episode, just to remind, you know, not that people who are going to be just binging from season one onward will need reminding, but for anyone else like us that had to wait a few months just to remind oh yeah when they get together this thing happens and great things for Eternia I'm sorry Etheria happened (laughs) um yeah that was cool well it's like eh, maybe it wasn't the strongest you know starter episode but there's a lot of good in season two so keep with it because even things like you know Hordak amazing strides in season two so especially if you're a, a Hordak fan um, you know, yes, yes, we might not get, you know, our Horde members that we're used to, but they're at least definitely using Hordak in this season. And, uh, well, we'll talk about that as we hit other episodes. But any other thoughts, ending statements on the forest that to be frozen? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, I, I have hope that the opener for the next season will be better just because of the way season two ended the cliffhanger yeah more of a cliffhanger so yeah yeah. so you know even though this one wasn't as strong you know the rest of the season is and i have hope for the third season yes august 2nd all right well as always thanks for downloading Uh, this episode actually wasn't at that short it's gonna clock in at about 45 minutes go us yeah so yeah. <laughs> I'm John Callis, also known as a shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Macca. And I'm Josh Delancourt, also known as Lioncourt. Good, Good journey! journey.